0: All right, we'll go ahead and start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Lord the Father, we give you thanks for being in your presence today. The gift of this time to grow in our knowledge of you and of how you work in our hearts. Help us to not only know, but to practice these things that we're learning grow in our trust of you and your love for us but of our own hearts and how you've made us for yourself to follow our desires back to you who made us Who are constantly creating us constantly loving us and drawing us into deeper communion give us a contemplative heart to pray always Mary teach us how to depend on God to be fruitful Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
1: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the
0: hour of In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Before we jump straight into things, just in case people are kind of trickling in, are there any questions or reflections, things that came up from last time?
2: hmm What would you say? I'm uh, just
0: in a Buddhist mention this class and this comes up at This is too many related Buddhism. But what would you say separate the Buddhist meditation from Christian practice of the presence of God? Hmm. What separates Buddhist meditation from Christian prayer, basically? Yeah. yeah. I hesitate to answer the question because I don't know anything about Buddhist meditation. But um and I don't want to caricature it. But Basically, Christian prayer is not clearing your mind or trying to affect your desires so that they are either muted or it's it's not a self-reliant exercise. You're not trying to create any sort of feeling or conjure any sort of uh, spiritual result. Christian prayer is being with God. Period. You know, being yourself with Him and letting Him be Himself with you. It's a Communion, And so it's, I mean, it's obviously going to be different in different religions, especially one that doesn't even believe in a, isn't even monotheistic, you know, because Christian prayer is communication with the triune God. And if you don't have the Trinity, you don't have Christian prayer. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you pull them out? John 15. All right, so my hope today is to do just a little bit more actual praying then sharing of our prayer. So again the the content of our prayer is our thoughts, feelings and desires. So as we read this passage just to be aware of what's stirring in your heart. Um you've probably done Lexios where it's like, oh what word popped out to you or what phrase and um, that's great. You know that's an indication of you know where the spirit is maybe speaking to you through this passage one way that we sometimes go off into, like, meditation, thinking land instead of actually praying is that, oh, that, that struck me, or, like, there was something that called my attention to this phrase, and then I start thinking about, why is that important, or what does that mean? or um, So it's not to suppress your thoughts, I'm not trying to clear your mind or practice mindfulness or something um, secular or simply, like, a technique, but rather... In addition to what you're thinking, like being aware of what's stirring in your heart, especially on the feeling is desires level, and to not necessarily jump to like what the conclusion or what the takeaway is from this passage, you know, but but simply be present to your heart and know that if something's stirring there, not only is God aware of it, but He's probably trying to speak into it. You know, so if there's a good feeling, like there's rest there, and I've been restless all day and, and I felt just like a okay, wow, that's gold. Go there and don't think like, okay, how do I get all the rest I need from here (laughs) and get restless about it? But to simply receive the gift and as I read it a second time, the words are just like, you're not even thinking about them because you're just dwelling in that rest. Perfect. You know, that's just an example. Or if there's an anxiety or restlessness that like you you read a phrase and you're like, ooh, I don't like that one. I, I call that a movement. You know, that's a feeling or a desire like, ooh, I'm kind of repelled by that idea, that Jesus just said. Um, okay, pay attention to that. There's something stirring in your heart. Can you be in that with God? You know, And again, not going there with an agenda of like, ooh, I don't like that. Uh, okay, God, tell me what I need to do about that so I can go fix it. Simply just being with him in a place where there's something that matters to me going on. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm just going to read it the three times and... We'll have a, oh, uh, one through 11, I think. One through 10. With a pause in between each time. And again, just what you're doing is paying attention to your heart and relating what's in your heart to God. And then afterwards, whoever wants to share, can kind of share what what happened. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit. And every one that does, he prunes so that it bears more fruit. You are already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into a fire, and they will be burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and everyone that does, he prunes so that it bears more fruit. You are already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit because without me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into a fire and they will be burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I am the true vine and my Father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit. And every one that does, he prunes so that it bears more fruit. You are already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into a fire, and they will be burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Is anything stirring in your heart, to sure there are really no wrong answers including nothing you no know, nothing happened or I didn't feel anything that's a feeling which you can relate to God nothing's happening what's the desire? I want something to happen I want I want to be close to you, God so it doesn't have to be like oh, I just had a mystical revelation Mary was talking to me like it's great if that happened but it's simple it's, it's, it's seriously just you it's as personal as you are to God Um,
1: I really focused on the desire part and when you said to me beforehand like ask questions like why do you desire that and I kind of went off of that Mm -hmm. during prayer so I was like where's my desire at right now and it was like remain with the Father I'm like why do I desire this like I don't want to be thrown in the fire Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like why don't I want to be thrown in the fire I was like, obviously for my own self, but um, it like led me back to the father because like I love him too much. He'd be like so sad if I was thrown in the fire Mm -hmm. and like, so that brought like rest and like, um, like those questions brought me back to him and into like surrender and rest with him and like,
0: yeah. Beautiful. Thank you.
1: Verse that was sticking up to me was six. Anyone who does not remain in you will be thrown out like a branch and wither. But we'll gather them, and they will be burned. And I think very gently, the Lord was just reminding me the areas where I like detach myself from Him and where I'm withering. Um, it wasn't like a like a condemning type thing, but I think it was like a gentle like. You're withering in these areas because you've like removed yourself from me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like he plucked me off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: What did that feel like?
1: Um, uncomfortable.
0: Mm.
1: Um, exposed. Maybe
0: was there a desire there
1: to be attached to the father?
0: Mm. So we don't have to do it in front of everybody, but the, the thing to do there is like to present that desire to God. I want to be attached to you. I don't want to wither. Like, and then to receive him, what does he want? You know, it's, our mind will jump to, well, he wants me to be attached to him. That's what he said. You know, um, Like, actually, to hear it from him, that's the whole point. Uh, it's like, you just entered into a place that's very personal. The un- discomfort of feeling like, ooh, there's some places here where I... I know I've detached myself. The temptation will be, let me attach myself, I'll fix it. <clears throat> but apart from me, you can do nothing, even attach yourself to me. Um, so just being yourself, being in the discomfort, in the desire, I want to be attached, but I don't even know how I got to this place where there are certain places that are detached or what, whatever that is. The problem to be solved, but to just, like it's beautiful, you're just able to enter into the reality of where you are right now with God. Maybe one more.
1: I think for me, the, it was right in that first verse, Jesus um, is just, like, talking about the Father. And, like, yeah, it was one of those things of, like, whoa, this, like, really, why is this, like... There's, like, a resistance to it, I think. And I, like, realized in that pretty quickly that I, like, kind of assume that Jesus, like, delights in doing the Father's will because he's, like, a good son, but the Father is still kind of this, like arbitrary up in the sky like orchestrating things and like what struck me about the verse was just like the sense of intimacy that Jesus really has with the Father Um, but realizing that like yeah the feeling in there was like I feel distant from the Father I feel like like, like he's distant from me Um, that he is like good and desires good things for me but like also just like wants me to do his will Um, and so like the desire there was like to know the closeness of the Father. Um, but what I had to like sit in is exactly what you like said with Via of like I could like I know he wants to be close to me, so I can like imagine that he's drawing close to me and all this stuff, but like that's not actually like as I was praying, it was just like sitting there in the like huh. vulnerability of that desire of like I want this to I want to experience this. Um, but I can't like do that myself.
0: Uh-huh. The vulnerability of desire is a good phrase. It's, it is vulnerable when you just present a desire to God without like the pre-planned thing of like how I'm going to imagine that it gets fulfilled. There's something very mysterious and sacred about that moment or that choice to simply just want something from him. Good. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And those you didn't share, for also praying with us. I want to just talk today about uh, praying about decisions a little bit, because a lot of times I'm, this is like, especially maybe this time of year, people are thinking about what's next or what am I supposed to do and what's God's will and, and uh, you know, it's like great, I'm talking about my heart and praying with God and stuff, uh, but he's not telling me what to do and so it's like, how do I either make a choice and feel good about it or push the buttons that God wants me to push so he gives me the sign I need or whatever to be sure that this is the right thing. And Obviously, it's a huge, huge topic with many, many layers. You know, you have your big V vocation question, like, God, what do you want me to, do you want me to be a priest? Do you want me to be a sister? Do you want me to be married? If you want me to be married? Who do you want me to marry? All the way down to, like, should I go to Chipotle tonight or go to the grocery and actually cook? You know, like... Um, what's God's will for me? And uh, I think it's just interesting. I was reflecting on this myself. Like sometimes we, without much thought, just assume we know the answer to the biggest questions. Like <laughs> I hear this a lot. Like, well, I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to be married, but I don't know where I'm sp- what, Like, what city I'm supposed to live in, or something like that. And you're like, and not to not to make light of it, but it's just like we're not very comfortable living someone else's plan for our lives. It's really hard. And that's just like a good thing to be aware of and to acknowledge its reality. Like I am not super crazy about not being the author of my own story, and I'm comfortable with some plot twists, but not a lot. You know, and especially in these certain areas. Like, you no, know, that that part of the story is already written. It's maybe 20 years from now, but I know what's going to happen then. <laughs> you know, it's just a question of what's going to happen this summer. That's what I'm. That's what's up in the air for me. So again, not to <clears throat> make light of it, but to also not just paper over the fact that that's really difficult, and that's something to bring to prayer. It's like, God, I I don't know how I feel about just giving you the reins. There's a story that I've heard of this old priest. I think he's at Creighton somewhere. He's this an old Jesuit who's kind of like legendarily holy, and he's blind, and like always is being guided around by people, and he's like hunched over, and wisened and old and all the college students are like that guy can tell me my vocation you know and they'll ask him to be his, their spiritual director and so he's constantly getting asked and his his line to the students is always okay i'll be your spiritual director but if we uncover god's will for your life no matter what it is will you do it and the college student is almost always like, "Well, it depends on what it is, <laughs> you know." And it's like that's that's the point of spiritual direction. That's the point of prayer. Is not to read the tea leaves and figure out what the signs are that what's God's will, so that I can guarantee that whatever I do this summer is actually, you know, I won't regret it. I won't have to deal with any tension in my heart because I know for a fact this is what I'm supposed to do because I did all the things that Father Connor told me to do. And then when it doesn't go well or when I have that doubt and the evil one comes up and he's like, you made the wrong choice, you know, (laughs) like, oh, crap, I did the wrong thing. Father Connor lied to me or I did it wrong and now now I'm a bad daughter or whatever. Like, you're just going to have to deal with that. That's reality in our world where the good spirit, the evil spirit, my heart, personality, being a limited creature who can't read the future and like I have to depend on God and my story is being written by Him that's a vulnerable place to be and that's okay so a lot of times what people are looking for even if they're not saying it out, out loud it's just kind of the assumption that we act on is that there is some right way to go and I need to figure out what that right way is. Otherwise, I will miss the boat. And then I won't... Maybe, maybe it's as bad as, like, I'll go to hell. Or, like, I'll be totally unfulfilled. Or maybe it's just I won't be as fulfilled as I might have been if I'd chosen the right one. Um, maybe it's something like... And beneath that is, like, God will be sort of not mad but disappointed because I didn't do the right thing. Or... Um, uh, I won't make God as proud or I won't allow him to like, pour as many gifts into me uh, because I was too afraid or, or too ignorant or I didn't pray the right way or I didn't have the tools at the time to make the right decision. I mean, It's helpful just to like, think about how did you get here today? Sitting right here, listening to me talk, trying to grow in your faith, making yourself available to God you got here through to some decisions that you made what school you went to whether or not to be a focus missionary whether to take a job um, but a lot of them were decisions you didn't even think about you know or circumstances that were completely out of your control like who your parents were or you went where you went to grade school like all of these things contribute to so <laughs> letting go somewhat of like the illusion that I am the author of my own story even like if I didn't believe in God, if I didn't believe in a good God who was guiding me and had a plan and providentially was leading me to heaven. So the idea that like now I'm at a fork in the road, like I've been carried all the way. This is often what happens to me. I've been carried by providence and God's goodness. And even in my mistakes, he's like written straight with crooked lines. And here I am standing at this fork in the road. And now all that's behind me, but this is reality now. It's all up to me. To figure it out and choose the right way. Because from here on out, it's just me. And God's sending me off good luck. I hope you chose the right one. And that's just not the case. God has been with me this whole time. He's with me right now. And he will be with me whatever I choose. God is my inheritance. And I'm not going to lose that by choosing the wrong thing. So that's enough, easy enough to say, but I think it's just important to scrutinize our own desires, our own hearts, our own feelings around some of these discernment questions because pretty quickly behind it might be this like false image of God or false image of myself or false image of reality. So just like everything I've been saying so far, the most important thing is to engage your heart. It's very easy in discernment decision time to get lost in thoughts pros and cons trying to think about the future what's going to be prudent and this this is again this is a lot of times where certain assumptions about really actually much deeper questions and much more uh, unclear things like your big V vocation it's like well I'm certainly going to be married you know so but I just don't know if that's the right city where I'm going to meet my spouse like I don't know about the Catholic scene there or like I don't know if that's prudent because I don't know if I'm going to be making enough money to, sh- to save up to buy a house and all this stuff like you're you're, again, just kind of like assuming a lot of things and, and the thoughts, well, put it this way. (laughs) Sometimes we're like, I have to make a decision by this time. And, uh, I'm all about Father Connor, just like being with God and like sitting in my heart and dwelling and resting in him. But there's not a lot of time for that stuff. Like (laughs) he needs to tell me now because like they're waiting. Uh, should I make this decision or not? And it's like, again, not to make light of it, but how's that been going so far? Like, <laughs> you know, like this urgent, frantic thinking. If I just think harder or faster or stay up later and not sleep, maybe I'll get to the peace I'm looking for. And that, okay, There. What are you looking for? What would be enough? That you'd feel safe being like, yes, okay, I'm doing this. I'm saying no to that. A lot of times what we say is peace. There's just no peace around like, I don't know, I feel peace around both. I'll say something radical here. The the goal of prayer is not peace. The goal of prayer is God nearness, intimacy, communion with God. But sometimes we worship peace. And peace is like, there's many kinds of peace. And Jesus does promise us peace, the peace that the world cannot give. And so there's, it's not that there shouldn't be any peace around it. Like, that, that is a good sign, maybe, that you are moving in the right direction or that you're close to God, that rest with the Father. You're talking about Mary? Mm-hmm. Like that, there's a peace there that the world cannot give but like we're all stirred up and we're all anxious and we're like I just need some relief like I just need somebody, some authority some blind Jesuit to tell me this is God's will for you and then you're like good now I don't have to be responsible for my own life it's your fault if this sucks that's a lot of times what we're implicitly looking for is to not have to choose and it's good to be honest about that choosing is hard taking responsibility for your life is really hard being the only person to blame if six months from now you're like, why did I do this? That's scary. That's adulting. <laughs> but it's okay. And it's going to be okay. And it won't be that six months from now, when you're feeling that despair, that sadness, that regret, that God will be with his crossed arms up in heaven being like, well. I guess you didn't know how to pray at that time, and so it was impossible for me to help you. Sorry, but now you made your bed, and I'll sleep in it. Like this, this sort of dismissive God that we're imagining. So when we're looking for this peace, a lot of times what we're doing in prayer is we're not relating our feelings. We're trying to conjure feelings, you know? Like I'm trying to get myself to feel this peace because that will be the sign for me that this is the right thing to do. And so I'm thinking about it, and am thinking, 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 thinking. I'm like, oh, there's no peace. In fact, I feel this anxiety. So dang it, I'm getting anxiety. That means I'm not thinking right. I'm not doing the right, I'm not praying correctly or God's not in, me in this, with me in this decision. So maybe I need to think through the other one. And then you keep like oscillating back and forth. Anxiety about both. Some peace about both, some desire about both. I want both, but I also am scared of both. Um, And you're just like living in the thoughts and you're just kind of waving back and forth between. And you're sort of background aware of these feelings and they're guiding, they're pushing you around, but you're not actually talking to God about what you're feeling. And even more importantly, what you're actually desiring. What is it that you desire? Or what excites you about this thing? What draws you to this option? What draws you to this option? just to talk about your desire. And again, you might think, I don't have time for all that. I need to make a decision now. But I guarantee you, you have time for it. <laughs> Even if you have to decide by tomorrow, it will be more fruitful for you to just simply talk to God about what's going on in your heart. The fact that this is hard and I'm anxious. Because to go back to what that priest said, if we uncovered the will of God, no matter what it was, would you do it? If you're honest about that question God will not like abandon you uh, to make a choice by yourself he will, he will help you but what makes, what makes it really hard is um, not really thinking that he's on our side you know or that I can really trust him so we grow in trust by being in communion with someone, by like letting them get to know us and them sharing their hearts with us. So that's the most fruitful thing you can do in prayer is to simply be with him. So the pr- point of prayer is to receive from God and to be with him. Don't go to prayer to be somewhere else. Where I'm going right now is my decision for next year or my vocation or whether or not to say yes to this date or, or whatever. Like that, That's my goal is to figure out the right thing to do here. And so I'm going to use God, my prayer, I'm going to use my holy hour to figure that out. Priests do this with their homilies. I used to do this when I was first ordained. It's like, oh man, I need a homily for Sunday. I'll just use my holy hour and pray about the readings. And like, sure, okay, you should pray about the readings. But am I thinking about like being with God or am I spending the whole time being like, okay, God, ooh, that people would really like that or they really need to hear that. And I'm just like living in the future in some imagined situation with an imagined audience rather than simply just being with God and receiving. And wouldn't that be more fruitful for my preaching to just actually be God's friend? I don't have time to be God's friend. I need a homily how silly it is but we just like it's easy to fall into that so don't go to prayer to go somewhere else go to prayer to go to prayer watch Jesus in the gospels He's constantly doing that after he feeds the 5,000 he goes it's like that's that's his reward for doing all this apostolic work it's like ah, oh, I get to go rest with my father so everything leads from prayer like your decisions and and actions and stuff should be flowing out of your lived communion with with the Trinity but they should also be back to him that's where we're going that's that's our reward for all that. and that's where like sometimes you get that feeling late at night where it's like the day's not complete you know like I did all this stuff for other people I need some me time you know <laughs> and then you end up just like wasting time you know watching stupid TV or reading news or something, you know, or eating, you know, like you just have this hole in your in your heart. You're just like, Ugh, I've been pouring myself out all day. I need to like get something. Now, the, your reward at the end of the day is God. Like, yeah, it'd be nice to have God and Oreos though, but, because <laughs> God doesn't like satisfy in the same way that some of these things where we have control, we can grasp at it, we can feed ourselves there's a dependency um, that's uncomfortable that's vulnerable that's hard but that's where this contemplative attitude is so critical like I can even tell God that at the end of my day like I'm restless and I, I want to feel good right now and this is hard like just being human is hard <clears throat> Everything leads from and back to prayer. So the object or goal of our prayer is God, not certainty or peace about a decision, not certainty or peace about a decision, not anything but God himself. Any questions? Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Just, like, okay, what was the last statement that you said? Um, like, do you have any, like, recommendations or advice? If I'm, like prayer and I catch myself in that right like instead of just being like no like prayer is about you um, like instead of kind of like what we've talked about before like the like beating into like compliance mm-hmm. um, do you have like any advice over that just being like okay. like the goal like I'm remembering the goal of prayer is like to actually be with you not to like figure it out this decision mm-hmm. um, but I'm in that like rabbit hole right now
0: yeah that's a great question I think, and this is hopefully not just a tip or trick, but when you notice things like that where you're kind of going meta, you're, like, coaching yourself to not coach yourself. Um, I'm not being myself. How do I be myself? And then you're just, like, more and more. Like, that's so, it's funny, and we should laugh because, like, human beings are silly. And you could just imagine God just being, like, it's so funny, you know, because um, he knows what's happening. Uh, this the easiest thing to do is just ask for help. Just be like, God, help me pray right now. I like, I got lost again, and then just, uh, to, it's a grace to enter back into reality is actually God's gift. Thank you. Um, how can I
1: grow in having that contemplative part, like that attitude you're just talking
0: about? Yeah. Good question. I mean, the only way is to, to practice it to pray. Um, who you just say that to pray always you have to pray at certain times like that it's the mystery of like grace building on nature faith and works like how do i because it's all a gift we're talking about this god tirelessly calling us to that mysterious encounter known as prayer god is always the one who invites we are always it's always a response it's not something we do for god it's something he's working in us. He wants this nearness and he's the one working to bring it about. Um, but it's not just quietism of like, oh then I just don't have to do anything. I can just go about my day and pretend he doesn't exist and then he's going to break in with a lightning bolt and and show me something, you know. We have to it's a relationship, so we dispose ourselves to his presence by being silent and praying with scripture and going to adoration but, yeah, the idea, the contemplative attitude, the idea is that, like, now when I'm in the car, dude, like, there's all these, deci- these little micro decisions going on in my heart, that in my hidden center, God's inviting me always to more communion. And so I'm sitting in the car, and not that there's a, not some time to, to rock out with music, but, like, a lot of times I'll, I'm by myself in the car, and I'm just like, there's something going on, and I'm, like, all stirred up. And there's a decision here with the like button. And I'm like, I could just, like, drown this out right now and just try to make myself feel a different way. Or I could, like, leave it off and just kind of be here and drive and be, like, mad, but, like, talking to God about it instead of, like, trying to be, like, I'm not supposed to feel that way or I don't want to feel that way, so I'm going to try to manipulate my, my heart. That's, the, that's what I mean by the contemplative attitude. You just start to, like, actually want to live in reality and in communion with God in it.
1: At the risk of being, like, over-methodical, do you have, like, this way of praying is super helpful, but, like, sometimes I go into holy hour at least, and it's like, I can't do an hour. Like, my attention span is just, like, all over the place. Um, And so, yeah, even, it might just be, like, helpful to, like, hear, like, I don't know, like, best practices in terms of, like, how to begin a holy hour to be able to like enter into this way of prayer besides mm-hmm. like, instead of the, like maybe way of Lexio that we're more familiar with where it is. Let me just like think thoughts about myself in a chapel.
0: Yeah. That's a great question. Um, just how to do a holy hour. It is an art, not a science. Again, not to disclaimer too much. So this is not to say this is the right way to do it. And if you do it a different way, you're doing it wrong. Um, but let's just be honest, there are some holy hours that are good and some holy hours that are bad. Um, all prayer is good. It's good that you were there, but like you didn't get any sleep last night. You went in and you just had a song stuck in your head and you didn't do anything to try to discipline your thoughts or like to focus your attention on God. You just kind of sat there and nothing happened. And you're like, oh, well, prayer is all God's initiative. So I guess that's just a bit, you know, it's not my fault. No, you, you're responsible somewhat for your prayer. It's not helpful within prayer to be judging it, like when you're, you're sitting there, and like you do your thought does go off in a distracted way and you like start beating yourself up or trying to coach yourself, and you're like, "Oh, this is a bad holy hour, oh crap, I'm doing a bad job." Uh, and then you spend like 20 minutes just like in this self-reliant loop of like trying to fix it. Um, as much as you can during the holy hour to not stand outside yourself and judge yourself is good. And when you notice yourself doing that, just ask God to help you enter back into your heart and be with him. Um, But afterwards, it's helpful to reflect on, like, what made that a good holy hour when you have a good one? A lot of times it's coming in with a desire. You know, asking for grace. What did Jesus say in this uh, pericope? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. You know, so this idea that God wants to give us gifts. Um, and he asks us to ask for things. So just coming in with a grace that you want. Like, help me understand your love. Why you love me. Right, I just would like some rest right now. I just want to be near you. I just want to be near you, Father. Like, so coming in with a desire. And then St. Ignatius says to uh, spend the space of an Our Father, like 30 seconds, simply beholding God, beholding you. So, just call to mind that you're, you're entering God's presence. He's already looking at you. He's already beholding you. But just calling to mind the fact that he is looking at me and looking at God looking at you. The analogy I've heard once is that a lot of times we kneel down to pray and it's as if we're like, we open the door to a room that has the lights off and we just start shouting things into it at a person we don't know if anybody's actually in there. You know, we just start talking. And better to just like turn the light on first be like oh there's somebody here hi you know spend a little bit of time just doing the greeting and then you can start to enter into. your but so just like talking to god like he's real and yeah some of it is like the human stuff of just stamina and attention span and your butt and how much you can handle just sitting on that hard pew and like those things are real but I, I would wager that just the freedom to be honest in prayer and to actually talk about, like, my butt hurts, you know, <laughs> or something. Not to be silly, but, like, that it's hard to pray God. But I really want to be, like, 24 hours is a long time. And, like, that's every day. Um, and, again, I'd go back to, like, going to prayer, not to go somewhere else. A lot of times we're like, oh, man, if this once this holy hour is over, I'm going to eat something or I'm going to look at my phone or... So, like i 'm looking forward to something like just being aware of that, like what am I looking forward to where 's my rest going to be because this prayer is so hard be like God, I want to rest in you like there 's no rest for me in the Oreos I know that i 've been there uh, there 's a stomach ache or just feeling bad about myself, but there 's no like actual freedom there 's no actual rest so if i 'm looking forward to that, just talking to God about what 's you know um, because the idea is not to just get good so that now you can do two holy hours or three holy hours or four holy hours. It's like your whole life is a prayer. Uh, one,
2: just a small thing, or maybe it's not a small thing, but how relevant do you think bodily posture is for praying? Should you, at times, be kneeling more often or does it really matter? I don't know if
0: there's any objective. Mm-hmm. How much does bodily posture matter? Um, I, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter. Um, but there is... I, I would also say you 're free to pray how you pray, you know we 're bodily creatures, and so holding our hands, kneeling, these like kind of gestures of surrender or reverence um, help up, dispose our souls to being reverent um, if we 've got our hands in our pockets and we 're eating something or something at mass like it's obviously we 're not in the same state of soul as we would be if we're like super, but you can have your you can be kneeling with your hands folded and be thinking filthy thoughts, you know you, that doesn't necessarily mean you're being reverent so I'd go back to that phrase uh, the, I think it's the last quote on the quote sheet no, the third one if our heart is far from God the the words of prayer are in vain you know, it's the heart that prays so that's what I would focus on more than the, gest, the gestures or the posture I
2: question uh, hmm this makes sense that, you know, the goal of prayer is God, not to chase peace. Um, with that being said, when you make it, like, considering, like, consolation and desolation when you're trying to make a decision, like, let's say you're in a place where it's like, oh, God, like, all I feel is, you know, gnawing anxiety, like it's having the evil spirit or something, like, God, I just, I don't feel like I trust you. And it's tempting to, like, want to conjure up feelings of, like, I, I can't just make myself trust you. Mm-hmm. But I start to feel this insecurity of, like, I don't want to make a decision when I'm in a place of feeling like I don't trust God but then also can't make myself trust God and then I start to feel like this helplessness of like well what am I supposed to do? Mm. Now it's just going to be a bad decision no matter what. I don't know what you would Mm. and even I'm sure you'd say now even that is something to relate to God itself (laughs) Mm -hmm. but there still ends up being this insecurity around the decision that like this can't have been a good decision because I never I never felt peace about some aspect of it
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah I mean you answered your own question but Uh, I think there's that rule of discernment I think it's well I'm not even going to say it in case I'm wrong but one of the rules of discernment of St. Ignatius is that in time of desolation never make a change um and so that kind of what you're saying is like I'm anxious I'm not feeling peace but I'm like it's time to make a decision how do I do that I don't want to make a decision in desolation or when I feel like no clarity no peace no rest um and that's good, that's good prudential judgment. Like, uh, I'm not seeing clearly right now. God feels far from me. I feel like it's all on me. Like, those are not real things. Um, but they're real feelings. Um, but the difference is, like, in, in time of desolation, never make a change. It's more like I, in a time of consolation made this decision. I'm going to apply to seminary at the end of the year. And I'm talking to Father Tim Monahan. I filled out the application. I did my psych exam. Now I'm doing my seminary boards. And now it's like June, just graduated. I'm, I've been psyched about going to seminary. I told my parents and my friends and like some of them were real supportive. Some of them were challenging, but I still feel so convicted. And then like my old girlfriend called or something like that. And, um, she just broke up with her boyfriend and she's just like texting or something, you know. And then like all of a sudden there's this doubt and this restlessness and then like conflicting desires and then leading to despair like, "Oh my gosh, I made the wrong decision and um maybe I'm like dooming myself and this, you know, she's going to start dating someone else or whatever, you know." And then you're just in this desolation loop. You're like, "Now I'm sad about seminary." This thing I've been excited about for the last year and a half as this vocation's been growing and I've been responding to grace and but now, all of a sudden, it's just like, everything sucks, and I'm a failure. Um, that's what he means by, like, that's not the time to decide, actually, no, I'm not called to seminary. Whereas, like, what you're describing may be something like, I'm just simply in a very turbulent time in my life right now. And um, there's a lot of things going on that are causing me anxiety, causing me stress. Um, in addition to that, I'm also in a time of transition. I'm having to make a lot of decisions, um, so that's a reality. That's just reality as it presents itself. Um, you have everything you need to make the decisions. God, it, just because it's a stressful time in your life, doesn't mean that God's not going to continue guiding you with His providence, giving you the grace you need. Um, and so, you answered your question. It's it's relating to God. Like, I I'm stressed out. I'm in. I feel like I'm in desolation, but I'm also, like, needing to make decisions and help me, you know. Um, Again, so it's not like, oh, the lack of peace has disqualified me from making good decisions. Does that distinction help? Mm -hmm. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Father, we thank you for this time. ask your blessing on our hearts. The rest of this day. To hold us and to carry us and keep us in communion with you through your Holy Spirit, which binds us to Jesus, your Divine Son. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. The Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.